0: The teachings of Enoch, by the Spirit ye are justified, Moses 6:60, 6, 60, 63, 65, and 66, book of Moses Insight, number 19. In this article, we turn our attention to the second phrase in Moses 6:60, 6, by the Spirit ye are justified. Simply put, individuals become just, in other words, innocent before God and ready for a covenant relationship with him when they demonstrate sufficient repentance to qualify for an initial cleansing from sin by the Spirit, thus having had the demands of justice satisfied on their behalf through the Savior's atoning blood, The Book of Moses records that after Adam was baptized, having fulfilled the commandment, the Spirit of God descended upon him, and thus he was born of the Spirit and became quickened, in other words, made alive, in the inner man. Divinely prescribed symbolic gestures in the ordinances. Specific symbolic gestures have been divinely prescribed for the ordinance of confirmation as well as for subsequent ordinances of anointing. While the form of baptism recalls the symbolism of death and resurrection, the laying on of hands on the head that is used in confirmation suggests a retrospective regard toward the scriptural account of the creation of Adam, wherein God breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. In this respect, recall also the account in John twenty twenty-two. Jesus breathed on his disciples and said unto them, Receive ye the Holy Ghost. As Joseph Smith highlighted the importance of the manner in which baptism is performed, describing it as a sign, so he did refer to the symbolic evocation of the breath of life in the laying on of hands by which the Holy Ghost is given. Ordinations are performed and the sick are healed as a sign. He said pointedly that if such ordinances were not performed in the way God had appointed them, they would have failed. In this context, we might recall what Jesus said when Peter went, wanted to wash his head and hands in addition to his feet, quote, He that is washed needeth not save to wash his feet, but is clean every whit, The Lord's reply to Peter suggests why, in similar fashion, the laying on of hands on the head within various ordinances equates to a blessing for the entire body. The receiving of divine breath is associated with royal status. With regard to ordinances of anointing that are associated with the sanctifying influence of the Holy Ghost, biblical and Egyptian sources associate the receiving of divine breath not only with an infusion of life, but also with royal status. For example, Isaiah attributes the presence of the Spirit of the Lord to a prior messianic anointing, the anointing oil like a divine breath, being a symbol of new life, quote, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, because the Lord hath anointed me. Anointing followed by an outpouring of the Spirit is documented as part of the rites of kingship in ancient Israel, as when Samuel anointed David and, quote, the Spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward, end of quote. Note that in Israelite practice, as witnessed in the examples of David and Solomon, the moment when the individual was made king would not necessarily have been the time of his first anointing, the culminating anointing of David, corresponding to his definitive investiture as king, was preceded by a prior princely anointing. LeGrand Baker and Stephen Ricks describe other instances in the Old Testament where, quote, a prince was first anointed to become king, and later, after he had proven himself, was anointed again, this time as actual king. Modern Latter-day Saints can compare this idea to the conditional promises they receive in associated association with all priesthood ordinances, promises which are to be realized only through their continued faithfulness. Further emphasizing the anticipatory and conditional nature of even a second royal anointing, Brigham Young explained that, quote, a person may be anointed king and priest long before he receives his kingdom, end of quote. In modern times, one can still see vestiges of symbolism of anointing, royal status, and the Holy Ghost brought together. For example, prior to the British ceremonies of coronation, in the holiest rite of that service, the monarch is, quote, divested of robes, clothed in simple white linen, and screened from the general view, to be imbued with grace through the archbishop's anointing with holy oil on hand, breast, and forehead, end of quote. The royal anointing described above recalls the practice in some Christian baptismal traditions of reversing the blows of death. This idea was represented in ritual by a special anointing with the oil of mercy prior to, or sometimes after, baptism, as the candidate was signed upon the brow, the nostril, the breast, the ears, and so forth. It was commonly accepted by some Christians that the precedent for such anointings went back to the beginning of time. For instance, in the pseudepigraphal Life of Adam and Eve, we can read an incident where Adam, as he lay on his deathbed, requested Eve and Seth to fetch him oil from the Tree of Life in the Garden of Eden, so that he could be restored to life. All Christians are meant to become little Christs, Just as the separate yet interrelated rites of baptism and subsequent washings became blurred in early Christianity, so also the distinctive ordinances of confirmation to prepare one to receive the gift of the Holy Ghost and the separate priestly anointing have become confused in religious traditions. For example, the Armenian liturgy includes two anointings, one with unperfumed oil before baptism and the other after it with the myron or perfumed oil. For modern revelation, it is clear that just as baptism is the first saving ordinance administered by the authority of the Aaronic priesthood with later ordinances of temple washing looking back retrospectively upon it, so confirmation for the gift of the Holy Ghost is the first ordinance administered by the Melchizedek priesthood in interrelated and additive fashion temple initiatory ordinances of washing and anointing echo and build upon the ordinances of baptism and confirmation substantiating the idea that priestly anointing ordinances were not meant to be restricted only to a small set of disciples tertullian describes how practice in his day all newly baptized christians were anointed he stated that this was quote a practice derived from the old discipline wherein, on entering the priesthood, men were wont to be anointed with oil from a horn ever since Aaron was anointed by Moses. Whence Aaron is called Christ from the chrism, which is the unction or oil of anointing. End of quote. The initiatory anointing is not only retrospective, but also looks forward in anticipation to subsequent confirmatory anointings and sealing blessings, wherein disciples imitate the Christ. Indeed, Pseudo-Clement's recognitions and 2, defines the Greek title Christ, equivalent to the Hebrew Messiah meaning anointed one, with reference to an anointing of oil administered by God himself. Although, quote, although indeed he was the son of God and the beginning of all things, he became man. Him first God anointed with oil, which was taken from the wood of the tree of life. From that anointing, therefore, he is called Christ, end of quote c.s lewis succinctly expressed the principle behind the practice of anointing all christians quote every christian is to become a little christ the whole purpose of becoming a christian is simply nothing else end of quote. the glorious blessing of being anointed as a king a priest and the son of god may be anticipated by all saints who receive their temple blessings and endure to the end in keeping their temple covenants when jesus said come follow me He meant it literally, as is expressed so beautifully in the hymn of the same name. Not only shall we emulate his course while in this earthly state, but when we're freed from present cares, if with our Lord we would be heirs. For thrones, dominions, kingdoms, powers, and glory great and bliss are ours. If we throughout eternity obey his words, come follow me.